Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And uh, man, this episode is going to be a big one. So hope you guys have a little bit of time here. We got a bunch of stuff to cover. A very, very exciting weekend of racing. Um, we actually, we, we split the team up, if you will, and went to two different racetracks. So um, first and foremost, we are going to cover all of the action from the Auburndale Speedway and the charity weekend. Uh, two nights of racing over there. And then uh, Margo took off with a couple other friends and went over to Citrus to cover the 200-lap wheelman race over there. Or, I'm sorry, the 200-lap. It wasn't a wheelman race. It was just a 200-lap sports race. So, at the end of the show, Margo's going to fill us in on what went down over at Citrus County Speedway this past weekend. And um, we also have an interview lined up with the winner of the charity race, Mr. Bray Holmes. And that was one of the wildest charity races that we've seen in a long time. So... I'll give you my thoughts on the weekend, uh, my thoughts on that race, uh, because I know right now everything's kind of mixed on where people stand as far as that race goes. So I'll let you know what I saw, what I thought, and uh, and we'll hear from Bray, and we'll get Margo on the second half of the show. Um, Big thank you, big shout out to our new sponsor uh, for this show. Um, Big, big thank you to Frank and Holly over at Button Racing. Um, You know, Frank was listening to the last show, and he called me up, and he's like, Hey, man, I appreciate the shout-out. How do I sponsor the show? So um, I appreciate uh, Frank and Holly. Of course, uh, you guys know Frank and Holly from over at New Smyrna. Uh, they've decided to sponsor the next couple of shows, as a matter of fact. So big thank you to them, and uh, hopefully we'll see Button Racing back on track. I know uh, Holly, kind of already a, a championship car owner, uh, winning the championship with the Bomber Bees with Chains of Taurus last year. So um I'm sure they'll be on track in some way, shape, or form here next year. But uh, thank you to those guys for sponsoring the next couple of shows. And we may have some more sponsor uh, sponsor interest as well. Um, another thing I want to cover on this show is you may or may not have already noticed that uh, the Racing with Ryan podcast now has a Facebook page. I'll be honest with you. I was kind of slacking on that. I wasn't sure if I was going to do a Facebook page for this show or not. Um, but with the way things have been going... I decided to take the time and sit down and, um, and and create a page. It's kind of bare bones right now. Um, I did post some stuff from over the weekend from Auburndale. And I'm going to kind of use that, uh, you know, if we if we go on location and, and wherever we end up going to cover a race, try to take some pictures and let you guys know what's going on. Because I know as you guys are waiting for the show, and I, I wish I could get these out a little bit sooner, but everything's so busy right now. Um, you know, it's usually middle of the week before I get this kind of stuff done. So... This way, uh, the page is, is kind of giving you guys updates on what's going on. And uh, if we get sponsors, we can announce sponsors. Um, if you'd like to sponsor the show, you can contact me there. Of course, you can contact me personally as well. Um, but if you have th- this way, like on the shows, there's a, a nice place for you guys to, to comment. You know, let me know what you think, uh, questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, all that stuff. You can do it there on the page. Um, so if you haven't already, go find the Racing with Ryan podcast on Facebook and make sure you like that. Um, already got a bunch of you guys on there and I appreciate that. Um, I know I set a bunch of invites out one night uh, when I first set up the page and, uh, you know, a bunch of you guys already jumped on there and, and even more people than I invited are on there. So, um, definitely a big thank you to you guys for doing that. Big thank you to Frank and Holly for sponsoring this episode. And again, if you are interested in sponsoring the show, um, it, it's dirt cheap guys. It's, uh, it's five bucks an episode. That's all I'm charging. Um, this this podcast is not really, it, it's not necessarily 
a uh, a money grab or anything like that. It's, it's some something fun that I can do on the weekdays, and uh, it's a way that I can get out a little bit of uh, racing coverage. But um, you know, the Racing with Ryan podcast page is out there. Go like that. I'm trying to look how many likes we have right now. Uh, where does it tell me? Where does it tell me? Uh, so much crap on on Facebook these days. I can't even tell. Um, already over. It's, oh, there it is. There it is. 81 page likes already. So thank you guys. Uh, we got a bunch of uh, engagements on the post from this weekend. So um, I appreciate that. Hopefully we'll get it up over 100 uh, once we get the next show out. Um, as far as listens go, I almost said views again. As far as listens go, the last show about the Snowball Derby, that got over 5,000 on the tally there on the homepage uh, where we host the podcast. So that's uh, in- that's incredible. You guys continue to put up some big numbers on the listenership, and I appreciate that. I uh, never would have dreamed that it'd, it'd be even over 1,000. I was thinking, man, if I can get a show that's like 500, we'll be doing something good. Um, but I appreciate that. Over 5,000 on the last one. Um, the lowest one over the past couple of uh, episodes has been like 3,000. So you guys are killing it. I appreciate that. That motivates me to keep going. And... Uh, with all that stuff out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the coverage again. Um, you know, just to kind of let you guys in on the behind the scenes of the show. I, I record this in segments. I, I get a little bit of time here. I do a part here. Um, I, I talked to Bray Holmes earlier this week, and he's a busy man. He's, he's a working class man. So um, it looks like we finally got something lined up for tomorrow. So uh, if for whatever reason that isn't able to happen, you know, don't hold me to the interview. But the plan is... After this segment of the show where we cover the race, we'll hear from Bray Holmes because I'm telling you, this truck race got heated. If you saw the pictures of the winning truck, uh, you, you're you probably going to want to hear it from the man himself. So uh, we're hopeful to hear from Bray after this, and then uh, we'll get Margo to give us a recap of her experience with the wheelman race. I did it again, the sportsman race over at Citrus. Uh, 200 laps over there. Uh, I heard it was a very interesting show, so she'll fill us in on all that. So we're covering as much as we can here with our, uh, you know, one-and-a-half-man crew, if you will. Um, so let's go ahead and jump on into Charity Race Weekend. Um, man, I, I'm, I'm even more encouraged because I, I went to uh, Auburndale's Facebook page right before I started to record uh, just to kind of go over the results and, and kind of refresh my memory since this happened um, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I made it for a long weekend. Um, but, man, I saw the end result of what they brought in for Charity and man, it just makes whatever anyone's opinion about what happened with the race or the truck count or this or that or whatever. Um, I'll give you the exact amount here later on because we're going to dive into it. But very, um, very encouraging to hear that it was a very, very successful weekend for charity. Um, the Cars Racing for a Dream charity. I know Ethan was there, uh, the young man. Um, that's kind of like the the face of the weekend, and he was there enjoying the trucks, and um, they raised a bunch of money. They man the fifty fifty sales that we gave away over a thousand dollars on Saturday night, and the place wasn't jam packed. It was a good crowd. Uh, Friday's crowd was pretty weak, uh, and, and I don't mean that uh, to be negative. I'm just being honest. But they gave over four hundred dollars away in fifty fifty, so that means they took over uh, almost fifteen hundred bucks uh, for charity just in fifty fifty sales. Um, so that's pretty incredible. Uh, great, great success there. So I'm going to jump right into the truck race now, uh, because man, I'm telling you, it was one of the wildest truck races I have 
ever called. And yes, uh, the truck count was down. It was 15, uh, 13 qualified on Friday. And, and I think a little bit of that is, and I saw some chatter. I definitely saw some chatter. I know Jason Lester had a lot to say. Uh, for you know, he he and Rex guy don't see eye to eye, and so he was, you know, he dug his claws into the lower truck count, and he's you got to be kidding me. And then you know, you see some other people. Well, I didn't go because qualifying was on Friday, and I couldn't get there, and I didn't want to start in the back. And hey, that that's respectable, and, and I can see, you know, that that might be one of the big things to change going forward, is maybe this only needs to be a a one night show. Um, get everybody there in. in uh, fill in a card, maybe start a little bit earlier, 6.30, 6 o'clock, and race a bunch of stuff and, and give the fans one big show instead of two nights and stretch everybody thin. Um, you might actually get more people in the pits, uh, and, and it might be better on, on everybody, perhaps. Um, and I think maybe that's what Rex is talking about doing for next year's charity race, doing it all in one day. You know, maybe um, have a Friday practice and then you know, qualifying and racing all on the same day. And I, I think whatever they decide to do, even if they make it a two-day show, I think they should make truck qualifying the same day as the race. That way, everybody's there at the same time. Everybody's, you know, on the same page. However, this year, we did have some cars that didn't qualify and come from the back and almost won the thing, which we'll get into. Um, like I said, just an absolutely wild race. And it, it proves again that, well, you always want as many cars or trucks or vehicles on the track as you can. But again, it just proves that that truck count isn't everything or car count isn't everything. Yeah, it's impressive to see 30-plus vehicles roar off into turn number one. Um, you also run the risk of tearing a lot more stuff up. Um, but then again, this race, we tore a lot of stuff up too. So I, I, I think car count, truck count, um, it's kind of a relative in this point because... <laughs> um, they, they did both. They had a hell of a race and they tore a bunch of stuff up. And if you were expecting a truck race to go clean with nothing happening, I, I don't think you've ever been to a race at a bull ring before because that just wasn't going to happen. Whether it was, you know, 14, 15 trucks or 24 trucks, uh, they were going to be beating and banging and ripping stuff up. And, and that's exactly what they did. So let's recap the race. Started off very clean. Um, 14 of the 15 starters at halfway still in the lead lap. So, well, it wasn't the most impressive field as far as numbers goes. They were close. There was only one driver, uh, poor Nick Cashman. He got kind of raked through the coals. Uh, his truck was definitely off the pace. Uh, but he was the only guy that, w- that, that was off the pace. And, you know, hey, he was there at least. You know, he, he could have stayed home like everybody else. But he was out there. He's trying his best. Um, he was the only guy off the pace at about halfway. And then the the first caution did come out. But this is where things got interesting. Um, we had a battle for the lead heating up. With, and Carter Brown, really impressive drive for Carter this weekend. He was dominant in practice, dominant in qualifying. And uh, he got into it with uh, Chase King at the time. They were battling for the lead. And there was contact. They were all stacked up after a restart. And Chase King and Carter Brown, they get together a little bit, nudging, coming off turn number four. Bray Holmes is right behind those guys, and he's got nowhere to go. So he runs into the back of Carter, turns Carter around, and at this point, everything just broke loose. From here on out, it was just caution after caution after caution. Um, But if I were to sum this race up from this point, it was almost like a Talladega or Daytona-style race because 
There was a lot of crashes. Everybody was mixing it up, a lot of contact. And you really had no idea who was going to win. Um, for the first half of the race, it looked like Carter Brown was just going to run away with it. And there was like a lead change at the beginning when the outside pole sitter, and I can't even remember who it was at this point, uh, got a good jump and, and led like the first lap. But after that, it was all Carter Brown. And then when he spun out here, it really changed the game. And, and the other big game changer that I really enjoy at Auburndale, uh, maybe not so much when we tried it at New Smyrna, because uh, New Smyrna is a two-groove track and, and there's actually more space to race. Um, but I love the cone roll and the restarts because it really puts a lot of strategy. If you're the second-place car, do you give up that bottom line and try to get the jump on the outside and hope for a quick yellow and have your nose out in front? Because the outside line was good for about a lap, maybe two. And if you were up there, you could you, you could make it work for a minute. But, you know, it, it put the strategy in. Do I stay on the inside line and protect or do I go to the outside and hope to get advantage, hope for that quick caution? Um, and that really mixed things up. That's what pro provided a lot of lead changes here towards the end. And now, at this point, we had a bunch of contenders. Uh, when Carter spun out, Chase King was in the lead. And then, through some of the carnage, you had Kristen Clements, who really impressed me. I think this is one of her best runs that I've seen personally. Um, she was up there duking it out. She was like second and third through you know, the, the last quarter of the race, uh, she was doing real well until her and Becca Monopoly, who Becca maybe didn't have the fastest truck uh, last weekend, but she was hanging around. She was always right up there in the mix. It was like, you'd blink, she'd be in fourth, then she'd be third, and she might on a restart slip back to fifth, but she was right up there in the top five the whole time. Maybe not showing the dominant speed that she sometimes does, but right up there the whole time. And then her and Kristen Clements got into it. They bounced off the wall a little bit, and that mixed things up. That kind of um, set Kristen back just a little bit, but the, the truck that I was watching was the 92 of Brennan Pletcher. And I know hearing that name, some of you who may know what happened in this race, you're cringing at this point. Um, Brennan was one of the drivers that didn't get here for Friday qualifying. So he started at the back, uh, 14th out of the 15 cars or trucks. Sorry. Uh, put a dollar in the bank there for cars. Um, he started the back and charged his way up to the front and it was about, man, I think it was three or four laps to go. Uh, and we had so many cautions, so many research at this point um, that I don't remember exactly where we were. Um, but it was inside of five to go, late stage of the race. Um, Brennan Pletcher had worked his way up. And it was tough to pass during that long run. I mean, if you were up three or four spots, you were doing a real good job. So he obviously took advantage of a lot of the cautions and the cone rule and, and made up a bunch of spots there. But he made a move. He saw an opening after a restart with just a few to go. And he makes a move down the back straightaway. He pulls off two, cuts down to the inside, and ends up making it three wide with Chase King in the middle. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Carter Brown had raced his way back up to contention. Uh, Chase King dominated a lot of the race after Carter went around. Then Carter worked his way back up, and they duked it out for a little bit. Uh, but at this instant, Brennan Pletcher goes three wide into turn number three. And he made a bold move. There is no doubt about it. And I think I would actually love to talk to him, but I, I think that even he would say, yeah, I saw an opening, I made a move, and it didn't work out. And sure enough, he dives down into turn number three. Contact is made. Chase King gets the front of his truck ripped off. Carter Brown goes around again. Uh, people are yelling and screaming. There was this one guy who came up to the announce tower it was just pointing and yelling and hollering at the scorers. And I think he was with uh, Chase King's team. It was like, 
that's bull crap, that's BS, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And they did penalize Brennan at this point. They put him in the back and looking at the results here, and he was actually two laps down at the finish. So it definitely uh, was a move that didn't work for any of them. Um, poor Chase King looked like, you know, he had the race won. Carter Brown looks like he had the race, I mean, won in dominating fashion at the beginning. Then it looked like he was going to come all the way back. Um, then I actually, looking at the results, I see that Carter Brown and Chase King were ultimately DQ'd. So I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning is there. Um, honestly, after the end of the night, I was, I, I had a beer and got the heck home. I was tired. Um, but man, it, it was definitely wild. Um, then I was, we had a red flag at that point. I was going and looking at, uh, again, the comments and people were just like, you know, hating on Brendan Pletcher for making a move. God forbid he tried to win the biggest race of the year. I mean, it was an aggressive move. There's no doubt about it, but the man started dead last and with two to go, found himself in contention. He made the move that he thought was going to win the race and it didn't. And it also caused Carter Brown and Chase King. So you can look at it from all directions really. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's unfortunate that it ended up the way it did for Brennan and Chase and Carter Brown. I think the two dominant trucks were obviously Chase King, Carter Brown, and they leave Auburndale with absolutely nothing to show for it. So with that big action out of the way, and, and, and I think, um, I was up there in the tower with Steven. I just looked at him and I turned the microphone off and goes, I did not expect this tonight. I did not expect such a wild wreck fest of a race. And that's ultimately what it was. So after the parts and pieces were picked up from that wild incident, it set up a two-lap shootout to the finish. And uh, Becca Monopoly, who we talked about, just kind of hanging around all day long, found herself in position to win the race. Um, however, Bray Holmes, who, uh, if you remember, he, and this is the story for everybody in this race, if you remember, they were torn up at some point. Uh, Bray Holmes got his car or truck all torn up uh, he was involved in the first major incident that kind of set this race off into turmoil. He got some right front damage. At one point, got pinched into the wall. The entire right side of his truck is gone. It was ripped off. It actually brought out a caution because uh, the truck peeled apart and sh uh, shred on the racetrack. Uh, so that was one of the multitude of cautions at one point in the race. And all of a sudden, here he is running second. So they have the restart. And Beck Monopoly's in control. Bray Holmes is up on the outside. They are giving each other zero room. And we come to the white flag, and Bray drops in behind Beck Monopoly. And so Becca's leading the race going into turn number one. And of course, you know this race is not going to end cleanly. And Bray didn't wreck Becca, but he got into the back of her going into turn number one. And, and when, when we talk to him here in a little bit, um, you, you'll get his side of the story. So, so don't take, don't, don't, don't let me speak for him here, but he went into turn one, made some contact with Becca, got her up the track. They raced side-by-side side down the back straightaway and through three and four by a bumper. Bray Holmes gets the advantage. They drag race down the front, and for the second year in a row, Bray Holmes wins the charity truck race, and it was in spectacular fashion. So after the checkered flies and all the dust settled, I went down to interview the top three, and man, it was just... It was an electric atmosphere. I mean, the the crowd was buzzing and, uh, you know, drivers were, I mean, I mean, that's a stressful race right there. So drivers were worn out and it was pretty wild down there. It was a wild scene. And I go to start interviewing Bray and we're talking and I'm just like, man, how did you do this with a torn up truck? And, you know, he was like, oh man, I, I 
was surprised we even got to finish the race. And he's like, I can't, you know, last year, couldn't believe we won the race. And this year, we really can't believe we won the race. And um, as, as we're kind of wrapping up the interview, uh, I, I asked him about the contact with Becca. And, and I'm like, you know, do you feel like that's how you had to do it because it's tough to pass here? And he's like, yeah, you know, it, it was a rough race and I did what I had to do. And then Becca chimes in and, um, you know, she was not happy, obviously, leading at the white flag, getting roughed up a little bit on the last lap. You're not going to be happy about it. There's only going to be, and I said this over the microphone two or three times during the race, there's going to be one happy person at the end of this, and it's going to be whoever wins, whoever survives and wins. And that's how it was. Bray Holmes, very happy. Becca Monopoly, not. And we'll, we'll bring this up when we talk to Bray here in a little bit. Um, but Becca was like, hey, you know, just remember, I owe you one. And, and Bray's like, you know, hey, if that's the way we got to race, that's the way it's going to be. And uh, so you had Bray Holmes, who was happy. You had Becca Monopoly, who was not very happy. So then we go to interview Becca. And I, I'll give her a lot of credit here. Um, you know, she she obviously let Bray know how she felt. Um, but when the microphone was in her face, she she bit her tongue. And she played it very PC. And I have a lot of respect for, for Becca and, and her family. So, um, you know, she, was, she, was, she wasn't nice about it. But she was... <sighs> She was PC. She walked the line, and she was like, yeah, it was a great run for us, but um, obviously second isn't what we want, and, you know, we'll race him like he raised us. So obviously those two race at Auburndale together a lot. They're both from that area. So you know that next year, if they end up together, I guess Bray's moving up to late models, but Becca has a late model too. So um, I, I would expect that this isn't done or, or you know, Becca's not going to forget. So Becca basically told Bray, hey, I owe you one. Enjoy it while you can. And again, we'll we'll hear from Bray and we'll 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 ask him again if if maybe they've talked afterwards or if there's been any, you know, any developments there. But nonetheless, um, you know, like I said, one happy driver, everybody else wasn't. So Becca didn't like the way it went down and and Bray two two wins in a row. And here's where I give you my thoughts and opinions. Yes. It was a wreck fest. Yes, there was a lot of mixed emotions. And it really was true. What I said on the the PA, there was one happy person and everyone else was pissed off. And that's really what it boiled down to. And whether you like that kind of racing or not, if you come to a short track, you can expect a wrinkled sheet metal and, you know, ruffled tempers. Uh, people aren't going to be happy with each other, especially after a big, long event like this. We've been, you know, those drivers have been there all day Friday. Uh, there was practice on Thursday night, I think. So it's a culmination of a long weekend for the biggest truck race of the year. And and so you know, you, you just have to know going into the event, somebody's going to be mad at somebody. Even if, you know, there's one big incident in the race, whoever spun somebody else is going to be pissed off. And what we had tonight was everybody pissed off at everybody. And yes, there was a lot of wrecks. Maybe take out a couple of the wrecks, but like I said, it had that almost Daytona, Talladega type feeling where you literally had no idea who was going to survive, who was going to make it back. I mean, one of the biggest surprises of the whole thing was Nick Hernandez, the 37 truck. He's good. I mean, he has come out to New Smyrna and put on, you know, he's put a whooping on everybody. I expected him to be one of the top trucks when he came out for qualifying. And, you know, I said, you know, keep an eye on this truck. He's going to be a contender. And he qualified back in like 11th. It was really surprising. And then I'm like, well... Hey, the team missed the setup a little bit. Uh, they'll get it figured out for race time. And the, the race was so crazy that Nick Hernandez only finished half the race in 12th place. Uh, he was 
well, he was really the second truck out of the race, um, but he was off. Um, it, maybe it's a good thing that he avoided all the carnage out there, but, you know, it was a wild weekend. So, overall, this race definitely a bit of a demolition derby for sure, but it had some very memorable moments. I don't know, in, in your eyes, it might be memorable for all the wrong reasons, and that may be the case, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember a damn thing that happened uh, in last year's race. And I was there. I called it. I really don't remember. I barely remember that Bray Holmes won the thing until he said it in victory lane. So the point I'm getting at here is people are talking about this one and they will be talking about this one and you will remember it. You'll remember Brendan Pletcher going three wide for the win with a couple to go in turn three and wiping out arguably the two best cars of the night or trucks of the night. Um, somebody can comment, uh, Kenny, if you're listening, you can comment how many times I said that trucks were cars. I always do that. Um, so yeah, you'll remember that moment. You'll remember the bump and run from Bray Holmes to Beckham Monopoly in the drag race side-by-side finish. You'll remember, uh, Beckham Monopoly being very mad in victory lane and that's all fine and good. And you I've seen all the comments. Some people loved it and a lot of people didn't like it. You know, they said there's no respect. Nobody respects anybody anymore. I mean, that's people race hard now, man, and they don't, they don't, there's no more give, man. It's all take out there from what I see. And you, you call it what you will, but I see everybody racing hard. If we just went out there and putzed around for 100 laps and didn't do anything, nobody would even, nobody, then nobody would care. So to say it doesn't mean anything anymore, I'm going to prove you wrong about that. Um, according to Arbondale Speedway's Facebook, and here's the thing, you might think the race wasn't very good, or you might have think, you know, Auburndale Speedway sucks, or this and that. Well, check this out. Remember, the whole point of the weekend, yes, to have, you know, good racing and, and put on a show, was for charity. And because of everybody's support on this weekend, the Cars Racing for a Dream charity had its best ever charity race to date with over $27,000 being donated. $27,000. I knew it was going to be good because of the 50-50 pots, but to read that it was $27,000 donated to charity, if you think the truck race sucked and you think there's no respect, well, guess what? People that were there, they were obviously having a good time because they are in good spirits to donate. $27,000. Okay, that's life changing for some of these people that are getting this money. Um, that's that's why this event happens. So yeah, the truck race it had some moments. Uh, there were some crashes. There were some wrecks. There were some tempers. Uh, but you'll get that on a night where ain't nothing going to charity and nothing you know even matters. It's just a weekly show. You're you're gonna get that short track race in some races and short tracks. Nothing happens. It's you know you go home. You're like okay. Some nights you go home pissed off and it doesn't have to be a charity or a big race. It's just circumstance. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely some wrecks in this one. But they raised a lot of money for charity. Uh, the crowd was talking about it. And that was my point on Saturday night when I was at the track. I'm like, hey, y'all are going to be talking about this one for years to come. Memorable for sure. So congratulations to Bray Holmes, your big winner, second year in a row. Becca Monopoly was second. Daniel McLean. I'll be honest with you, I went to the weekend, didn't know a thing about Daniel McLean. However, top three in the charity race, I won't forget his name, and I'll I'll have good things to say about him going forward. Um, you know, uh, not that I had bad things to say, I just didn't have much to say, but he uh, he earned my respect this weekend with a great third-place run. Jimmy Frazier was fourth. He was in the mix, 
Um, I mean, there was six, seven, eight guys at one point that looked like they were going to win this race, and then all heck broke loose. So there's that. Uh, Taylor Watson, she did not qualify on Friday either, but she um, finished top five. Kristen Clement, six. George Gorham, the third, seventh. Brennan Pletcher was eighth. Richard Levance, ninth. And uh, rounding out the top ten was J.R. Garcia. Again, I mentioned Nick Hernandez, 12th. Uh, Carter Brown and Chase King were both DQ'd. I'm guessing that there may have been some altercations, perhaps, or some words said maybe back in the pit area because they finished the race. Well, uh, Chase was out with two to go. Uh, Carter Brown finished the race. So I'm really not sure what the reason for that. I'm not sure it's behavioral or something in tech. Um, Honestly, if the race went clean, though, and nobody touched anybody and nobody raced anybody, Carter Brown was going to spank the field. So uh, I guess the field had to get aggressive because they could see the best truck in the field running away from them. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it was the the crazy half moon. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it was definitely a memorable, crazy race. Um, my big thing for next year, um, and obviously I have no say in this, I, I'm hoping I get to come back for it next year. I know Auburndale's still looking for somebody over there full time. Uh, but I told uh, Colette when I left, I'm like, hey, I would love to, if anything, you know, I may fill in for a race or two if they can't find anybody. Um, but if anything, I'd love to come back for the charity race. So hopefully I'll be back next year. But I, I think that, uh, you know, Rex even kind of said as, as I was leaving, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to do one day next year. And, and I think that that's fair. I think that you can put on a great show, pack the place, um, you know, not make the drivers pay for three nights at the racetrack, have a practice night, and then race. I think you could do the trucks. I think you could do a big pure stock race. I think you could have the scramblers. Heck, you could run two scrambler features in one night if you wanted to. One at the beginning and one at the end instead of, you know, keeping people there till almost midnight to watch the pure stocks. Um, the Crown Vicks put on a good show. So I honestly think uh, instead of spreading it out over two nights, because Friday was fun, but it really wasn't that memorable. I mean, making people sit to the end to watch qualifying isn't too exciting. Um, I, I get the format. It, the format made sense, but... I think you can qualify and race all on the same day and not charge the drivers, you know, an extra pit pass just to come qualify. I think that may have deterred some of the trucks. But in my opinion, do a Friday practice, run a Saturday night race, start at 5, 6 o'clock, start a little bit earlier and run, you know, have two Scrambler features, have two Crown Vic features, you know, have your Legends cars or or Mini Cups or whatever it is. I don't know if Legends are even racing there next year. Um, but nonetheless, um, Great weekend, a ton of money raised for charity, and a, a race I'll never forget. I mean, I was having a blast up there calling this race because I literally had no idea. I mean, yeah, when they took the white or when they took the green white checker with two to go, I thought Becca Monopoly was going to win, and then coming off turn number two, I thought Bray Holmes. Then going through three and four, I thought Becca was going to get him back. I mean, then I thought maybe they'd wreck each other, and this Daniel McLean guy who I've never heard of before tonight was going to win. It was, I, I love that kind of race. I've seen plenty of races that you just, you know, it's over. And this race was shaping up that way with Carter Brown's great performance. But then it turned into like a roulette wheel of just insanity. And some people love that and some people don't. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on it. I know not many people appreciate Brendan Pletcher's move. Um, you know, it definitely didn't work out for him. And I'm not going to kill him over it. I, I think you know, half the field in that position, if they got a runoff two with, with coming to two to go uh, on a track that's very tough to pass at, they would have made the move too. And maybe it would have worked out better. Maybe he, you know, he was definitely aggressive. Maybe he was too aggressive. Maybe he stepped over the line. I'd love to know what you think about that race. But uh, 
Bray Holmes, the big winner there. And then, of course, they did have uh, 35 pure stocks show up on Friday night for qualifying. And they did not anticipate this many cars, I don't think, because they ended up having to add two last-chance qualifiers just to set the field. So they locked in the top 20 in qualifying, two LCQs, and that's where most of the drama was. Poor Ronnie Abney got shoved into the wall uh, while in a qualifying spot with, like, two laps to go, and um, his grandfather just passed away. Excuse me. Uh, His grandfather just passed away, and he was in position to make the big show, got taken out, so he wasn't happy. Um, But, yeah, they had a lot of... A lot of pure stocks show up for the 75 lapper and only 24 made the show. So yeah, big car counts are great, but man, if, if you have to qualify your way in, man, that can make for a rough, rough LCQ. It can make for a rough day if you don't qualify. Uh, but the race was pretty good. Um, there was a halftime break that I did not know about. Uh, so if you're at Armadale, if you're listening to the announcer, yes, he was very confused when the caution came out around halfway and I had to go down and ask, what the heck are we doing? Um, that was my biggest thing. I understand, you know, 75 laps. They don't normally go 75 laps, so they let them fuel up and tire pressures and all this stuff. Um, and, and I've seen that happen in big races, but I've seen like some of the sports and races, they'll do the halftime thing. They do it on the track. So they make the crews come out. They park the cars like on the front straightaway and they make the crews come out. They set like a 10 minute clock and all the activity is happening on the front straightaway. So there's not just this dead time. And for about five minutes, I was trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So there's this real dead space, and it was just after that truck race, it's towards getting late. You could just feel the energy just getting sucked out of the track. So, yeah, I'd play some music. I went and read some Facebook comments of the crowd. I was trying to do something to keep them invested, and I really had no idea how long the break was going to last because they said about 10 minutes. It felt like 30. Um, so, yeah, I understand the um, the point of having the the break for the competitors, but, man, it sucked for the crowd. A lot of people started leaving. And um, so my my thought, my opinion on that, because I've seen this done, would be if you're going to have the break like this, have the teams come out with their fuel and whatever they're allowed to do. If they're allowed to change tires, bring the tires and fuel out to the track, park the cars on the front straightaway or around the track. Um, once all the cars are parked, you start the clock, you let the crews come out, nobody touches the car until the, the time starts, and then you let them work for the allotted time. That way, the crowd has something to look at. They can come take a picture of the car. They can, you know, watch the team fuel it up. They can see if anybody makes adjustments because when they go back behind the pits and your pits are behind the racetrack, nobody knows what the heck's going on. Nobody can see and nobody can tell if anybody's making adjustments. Hey, if you're a car guy and you see him adjusting air pressures, you might think, ooh, I want to watch that guy now because it did have an effect on the race. Bobby Mobley had a really fast car and then, Looks like he went the wrong way on the tire pressures and just wasn't as good the second half of the race. Uh, Brandon Ducher won the event. Bobby Mobley was second, but it was not an easy second. Um, Matt McCrary, who actually subbed for Bray Holmes. Bray was so exhausted and had so much to deal with after the truck race with with Tech and just, it was so much. that Matt stepped in the ride, started dead last because of the driver change and finished third. Um, Sam Cressman had a great run on the 97. He led laps early. And he finished in fourth. Richie Akers, fifth. Rebecca Catarelli was sixth. Rick Hall was seventh. Maria Martins, who won one of the LCQs to make the race, she finished eighth. Roger Blevins, ninth. Sammy Coghill, tenth. Um, I'll be honest with you. I know I'm missing a lot in the 75 lapper. Uh, my biggest takeaways were the break was, I get it, but it was kind of a race killer. It was kind of a crowd killer. Uh, it was late, so people started leaving. 
uh, you know, typical pure stock stuff. This was definitely a better race than the week before when I was there for the season finale when they had like 24 start and they wrecked, 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 wrecked. So this race was like a more pure race. But I mean, it, it was just kind of, it's just kind of a race, but it was a great field. And these pure stocks are awesome. Love the division. Uh, and congratulations to Brendan to share. I think Matt McCreary had my best interview of the night. He was just like, hey, thanks for coming. Drink some beer. So that put a nice little end cap on the weekend. Uh, so congratulations to Brandon. Great turnout for the Pure Stocks. A lot of fun, even despite the break. On uh, night two, they also had the Scramblers who raced twice. TJ Cruz was actually your winner. William Kern's the initial winner. He was DQ'd. So TJ Cruz, who had a good run, he finished first. Brian Potvin second. Chance Saucerman third. That was in race two. Uh, Jesse Martinez wins the Legends car race that night. And the Crown Vicks were back in town. Uh, Billy Benoit won the first night of Crown Vic race and they went clean and green for 30 laps. Tonight they had a, or on night number two, they had a couple of incidents, but uh, Chris Rummel did get the best of Billy Benoit and just dominated the field. When he got out in front, he followed Billy in race number one on night one uh, for much of the race, couldn't get by. On night two, he went to the outside and was able to get by and spanked the field. And uh, big, big shout out to Chris for um, convincing the owners of Auburndale to bring the Crown Vicks back. So we got two nights of Crown Vic race and two great nights, uh, two great car counts, and it was a lot of fun. So Chris Rummel wins night two over Billy Benoit. Billy Benoit won on night number two, or I'm sorry, night number one. Jonathan Wallace third. Willie Cuddy. How about that name, Willie Cuddy? That's right, from Cuddy Family Painting. They finished fourth. Uh, Gary Holloman rounded out your top five. Uh, So that was night number two. Quickly, we go look at the results from night number one because I don't want to leave anybody out. Let's see. Saturday results. Here's Friday results. Uh, Jesse Martinez won again on night number one. So a clean sweep of the weekend for Legends car driver Jesse Martinez. Dustin Kirkland, the winner of night number one for the Scramblers. Hey, what a, what a recovery from TJ Cruz. He was dead last. He completed one lap on night one, and then he wins on night two. So that's cool to see. Uh, let's see here. What do we have? This is, here's your crown. Vicks, Billy Benoit, the winner on night number one, like we mentioned. That race was clean and green. The Scramblers were clean and green on night number one, which is what you want to see when you race two weekends. Uh, Bobby Mobley, who set fast time for the Pure Stocks. He also won the Amon feature that weekend. Um, so that's kind of a quick recap of the rest of the races. It was a great weekend, man. I I, I know, I, you know, like I said, a, a one night show, I, I think is definitely doable. You know, let your trucks be the main event. They always have been, you know, I heard somebody say, it looks like this is just becoming like charity weekend. Hey, that that's fine. Let the trucks and pure stocks share the spotlight. If you will, you know, 75 laps, pure stock, hundred laps or whatever you decide for the trucks, let that shine. Let that be the thing you know, condense it to one night, run the Scramblers at the beginning, then run the Crown Vicks, then run your truck race, have a have your intermission, then run the Pure Stocks, and then have Crown Vicks and Scramblers. Even do the Bomber Bowl format, the two-race format where you average the two finishes together, and whoever's got the lowest points or whatever wins. You get, you get all the same racing. It's all in one night. Drivers pay for one night or two if they come to practice. And that way you're not nickel and diming them just to come in and, and qualify. And I don't think that was the intention. So I don't want it to come across that way. But just an observation that I had. You know, if you're if you're racing on a budget, it's the end of the year, Christmas is coming up, and you gotta pay an extra pit day because you have to go qualify. 
that might deter some people. So anyway, I, I think next year making it a one-day show with, with a practice night, you know, because that's optional. Uh, but I think it did deter some trucks that might may have showed up. I saw somebody even say, uh, Jeffrey White, good buddy of mine, um, glad I didn't bring my truck because I couldn't come qualify. I would have gotten torn up. Eh, hell, he might have qualified fifth and wrecked his truck anyway. So um, I bet a lot of the trucks that are sitting at home are like, well, we made a good decision, but then they also missed out on a way to help charity. But at the end of the day, no matter what you think of the truck race, no matter what you think of the weekend as a whole, $27,000 to charity. Boom, let that be the thing that sticks out the most. Because whatever you think, it was a good weekend. Uh, Kim from racing, uh, Cars Racing from a Dream was happy. Ethan was happy. And a lot of money was raised. So success. That's what it boils down to. So at this time, uh, we're going to take a short break here. And then we'll hear from Bray Holmes. Um, and then after that, we'll get Margo on the show. And we'll talk a little bit about what went down at the Citrus County Speedway. Well, folks, this is where the interview with Bray Holmes would have been. Um, however, he's a very, very busy working man, and uh, our schedules just didn't line up in time for me to get the episode put together. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to get with Bray here soon, and we'll be able to record an interview. And if that happens, um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put it out as a bonus episode. It'll just be like the interview just cut together and I'll put it out there as a bonus. So, um, we had everything lined up and we just didn't have the, uh, the time to actually get together before I had to get the episode out. So, um, I appreciate Bray getting back to me and, uh, we'll line up a time, uh, to, to do the interview at a later date. So like I said, when that comes out, I'll throw it out as a bonus episode just as soon as possible. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show, and we're going to welcome into the show Margot, the super spotter, who went over to the Citrus County Speedway to uh, to give us uh, a rundown of what happened at Citrus. So what happened at Citrus? False. I went to watch the sportsman race and remembered to take notes for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not why I went. <laughs> no, you, you went purely to take notes for the show. No, you... Yeah, I went so that nine people could ask me, and I quote, what the fuck are you doing here? Right. Because you did get that exact thing yeah. from 18 and a half different people. Because I guess I'm not allowed to go to racetracks. I know. What, what a not weird, without what a you. Concept. I have to be up your butt if I want to be at a racetrack. What what a weird concept, right? So, obviously, wow. I was over at Auburndale doing the talky-talk thing. So And I didn't um, want to listen to it. Thought I would go see my other favorite announcer, and he wasn't And he didn't there. even go. Austin went to high school football. Rude. So whatever. So... Obviously, you went for the sportsman race, and from what you told me, it was a typical sportsman race for 200 laps. Clean for half the race, kind of like the trucks, and then it kind of went crazy at the end? Yeah, it didn't go too crazy at the end. Um, like, the first—sorry, I have to look at my notes now, because I can remember who wrecked, but I couldn't remember who—like, uh, Tim Sozio spun, Adam Briggs spun— um, Aaron Williamson got spun by a lapped car. That that seems to be a trend. He for was him. in second. Go figure. He always runs well and never has anything to show for it, it seems. Sorry, he was in third or fourth when that happened. Henley and Vale had just gotten around him. And I had literally looked at Emily and went, Jesse Henley is coming and he's bringing Jason Vale with him right before it happened. Anyways, so Devin McLeod qualified on pole, did Devin McLeod things. I don't know what the invert was. 
But well, Brand- it wasn't Wheelman, so like less than fourteen. Probably, yeah. So Brandon Morris and Aaron Williamson started on the front row. Of course, Brandon Morris did Brandon Morris right. things and, and rode like led like hundred and seventy five laps. And he is fresh off the wind from Auburndale. Yeah. Where he was he won the race and was pissed because people put donuts on his car. Well, he wasn't real thrilled with losing this one either. Yeah. And ha- so, okay. So he leads 175 laps. Uh, I'm assuming late race restart. Bunched everybody back up? Uh, yeah. Bunched everybody back up because I can't remember who wrecked, but somebody wrecked. And by somebody wrecked, I think the 21 put down a bunch of oil. And that caused a late race restart. Um, late race restart on perhaps a slick track, at least a dirty track with sportsmen. 200 laps, a lot of money to win. Hmm, nothing go wrong here. Yeah, no, and um, hang on, sorry. My notes are all crazy. I can definitely tell I was watching the race and writing yes. them. Yes, yes. Uh, Jason Vale kept trying to get under him, inside, outside, whatever. Morris had the faster car on the outside. Um, he finally got around him after like four laps, and then Jake Perkins was coming. Jake Perkins is always in the middle of these things. He's a, he's a good little racer. So essentially what I'm saying from my notes and what I saw in the race was Jason Bell pressured Brandon Morris. Mm-hmm. Brandon Morris maybe didn't like it. Maybe there was some contact I didn't see, but it's a small track and I could see all of it. So at, in victory lane, Morris walked over to Jason Bell and said, I got something coming for you next year. Yeah, very similar to what we had in the trucks where – Becca was not happy about getting rooted out of the way. She's like, hey, I owe you one. That that seems to be... I saw hard racing. It was a good sure. race. Sure. I mean, like I say, if you're going to a short track and you don't expect some contact, then I don't know what you're doing at a short track. You know, some there's the purists who are like, you shouldn't be able to touch anybody and pass. And there are those that are all for it. And then there are those that are kind of in the middle. But sound sounds to me like... Brandon Morris had a real good car, and and he feels like he had the win taken from him. Yeah, he had a he had the best car of the night. I would I think him and Jesse Henley. That I don't know what Daniel Webster did to that car, or if Daniel Webster did anything to that car. Probably not because it ran. <laughs> Listen, what happened? It to ran Daniel really Webster, good. I'm sorry. What happened to Daniel Webster at Snowball was not his fault. Okay, I know. Give, I'm give just him kidding. a little bit of a break. I'm kidding. It ran really good. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember because we were standing there talking to Webster. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if he said he actually worked on Henley's car or if his sticker was still on there because, the, like, there was just a right foot down sticker on it. Gotcha. That's what I'm getting at. Nothing against Daniel Webster except his, I don't like the Dale Earnhardt paint scheme. Fight me. Well, I mean, hey, that's all That's all part of it. As he says, we all make mistakes. So so basically, Brandon Morris dominates and gets spun out and doesn't get a good finish. No, he didn't get spun out. Oh, he no, okay, so he just got rooted out of the way. Yeah, he got rooted out of the way and then passed three other times or two other times. I'm glad you're on the show because I was under the impression the whole time, based on the text that I got from you and our our, I thought he had gotten spun out. So that that, so it was just a bump and run. It was kind of just a bump and run, but we all know that people don't like those these days. No, well. I mean, that's essentially what happened to Becca coming to the white flag. So, I mean, that's you get to the end of these big races, and if you can get somebody up out of the way, you're going to do it. And I can respect that move by Jason Vale. He, you know, like you said, he, he was coming and bringing Jesse with him, and he got there, and he took his shot. So, But then again, I'm not going to disagree with Brandon either because, hey, you know, race me that way, I'm going to race you back. No, it was a really good race, especially from, like, first to, like, sixth or seventh. LJ Grimm was battling for, like, the top 
Wait, L.J. Grimm in a car with fenders? Oh, yeah. What's that all about? He was driving the 25W. Oh, one of the... Um, uh, uh, Todd Brown cars. Yeah, Todd Brown. Yep, yep. yep. Or Robert Todd racing one of yeah. those cars. Yeah. One of the RTR cars. Uh, so him and Devin were battling for a little while, and that was real fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Teammates. Best friends, it. teammates. It's fun. I, I enjoyed watching the race. Was it the best sportsman race ever? No, but it was really good. What's your opinion on a 200-lap sportsman race? Is it too long? I, I saw like, some chatter about that maybe being too long. I don't like halfway breaks. I like strategy. Okay. Yep. And the only thing I will say is 200 laps on those American racers at Citrus, there was too much from what I taught, like talking to drivers, there was too much fall off. Okay. They just weren't did happy they with the do, How did they do their halftime break? Was it on track or did they put all the cars in the pits and then uh, let them all work back there? They did it on the front stretch. Okay. Because that was my big thing. And but, there were cars. I don't, um, I don't think you could change the tires, but I think you could swap them around. Swap them around. Okay. So you could you could do probably air pressures and stuff. Yeah, there were guys up there that had all four tires off the ground checking things out, tire pressures. But they um, did it. Okay, I like that they did it on the track because I was recapping the pure stock race from uh, from Auburndale, and they had their halfway break for their seventy five lapper and took the cars to the back pit area, and nothing was going on for like ten fifteen minutes, and it was like a crowd killer. It was a buzz killer. You know, it was actually pretty cool that they did it on the front stretch and guys were getting out of their cars. Fans were walking up, taking right, selfies with right. the guys. It was it, funny. If you do it, yeah, I, I see your point. And, and I understand why we have to do the breaks because you don't want pit crews. And, and I, I, I get where you're coming from, but to keep costs down, I, I get why they have to do it. But I like that they did it on the front straightaway because that keeps some activity going on the racetrack. But to answer your question, 200 lap races, I don't like them unless it's tour mods. I, I, yeah. They drag on, and if you start 20, usually you finish like seven. Yeah. It's it, just, uh, it, it's, it, it is a long race, but it, it, I, I like, I, I don't like that being the normal distance, but I like it, you know, on rare occasion. Like Governor's Cup is special because it's 200 laps. That's part of the mystique of it. That's part of the prestige. That's part of what makes it so tough to win. I like it for the Tour Mod race. I think that's really going to set the Tour Mod race apart from anything else at Speed Weeks. Um, Sportsman but 200 on a track like Citrus, it, it was fun to watch. New Smyrna, I would have been bored to death. Yeah, I love I, New Smyrna, I but I would have been bored. Sportsman 200 at New Smyrna. Sportsman don't need to do more than 75 at New Smyrna. And that's not a knock on the Sportsman class. I love that class. But I think to keep the race entertaining, um, I, I think 75 is probably the max there. I, I don't mind a 200 lap race for the sportsman to set it apart. But man, that does not need to be the norm for sportsmen. A hundred laps, even the hundred lapper at Auburndale was almost too much. They definitely don't need two within a month of each other either. Yeah. Cause isn't that frostbite, the topless race, isn't that 200 laps too? I like to call that one the frostbitten or frostbite me in the ass because everybody <laughs> ends. That might as well be a wheelman race if Steve Dorer was still in charge I, I mean, because they, he's getting the business anyways. Are they taking the tops off the thing just to save them from damaging their roofs at this point? I mean, I think it's <laughs> because Ronnie Bacello is on some good drugs. I don't no, know. I don't, I don't yeah. know the man. Hey, more power to him. He came up with a gimmick. Good for him. I hope it works out. I, I think it's... I, I hate it when the dirt cars do it, so I'm definitely not for it on I the sports. I personally team. think it's dangerous as hell. So there's yeah, some. yeah, I've seen I've seen the posts. So uh, that is that's something we'll debate when we get to it. And that race is happening at four seventeen in January, middle of January, January 29th. No, don't make plans to go down. I'm there. not planning to go. Um, so obviously, um, some controversy. Brandon Morris 
from what from when I talked to him I at Auburndale, I almost started a "Let's Go Brandon" chant. I was rooting I don't know for what him. That means, but um, <laughs> no, I, mean, I literally meant "Let's Go Brandon." No, he, he's a good guy, but man, he does not like getting roughed up. No, I, I was rooting for him, but then I also have the right foot down racing. Like Phil was helping out Aaron Williamson and Tim yeah. Sozio. So I was cheering for all of my friends. Some lady looked at me. She goes, can you pick one driver? I'm like, no, I'll pick the whole damn field because they're well, all my friends. Somebody else was also whining because you had the baby in the pits after the race. I mean, gee, oh, yeah. people just let people enjoy stuff how they want to enjoy stuff. My God. Yeah. So, But some lady's like, can you just pick one driver to cheer for? I'm like, yeah, all of them. Thanks. You should have said, hey, which one are you rooting for? And then I started think, booing that one. I think she was mad because her husband or whatever went to go get a bucket of Budweiser and we had taken the out. last of the Budweiser. Oh, yeah, so she was just inherently mad at you. Good I would job. have taken a Bud Light if she wanted to <laughs> trade, but now you want to be... No, man. All right, so Jason Vale wins. Who ended up second? Jake Perkins. Jake Perkins, and then Morris was third? And Morris. Okay, so we didn't spin out, recovered for third. So, yeah, that, that must have been a... Must have made for a very interesting victory lane. It wasn't too bad. He just walked over to Jason, which my biggest thing on walking other people, if you're just going to say something, that's fine. But Jason's kids were on the track. Don't go over and start shit when there are children on the track. Yeah. That's just me look, as a mom because I'll fight you. When when heated things happen, I am all for drivers hashing it out. But you don't need to. We don't need fights. That's, no, they just he just said words and Jason laughed it off like Jason does. Yeah. Oh, typical Jason Vale. Sure. Uh, but no, he's, you know, he continues to, that's a guy, Jason Vale, kind of, in my opinion, he's kind of underrated. He doesn't have, this is not a knock on Jason Vale. He, he has a very mild personality, so he kind of keeps to himself, but he is one of those guys, if he shows up in a sports and race anywhere, he's going to be a threat to win. And uh, sure enough, he wins that big race. What else, um, what else did they have racing over at Citrus this week? They had Pure Stocks. The Ford Outlaws and Street Stocks, which I heard there was all some three looked the, the damn same to me. Uh, was it in this? No, it was in Ford Outlaws. No, I thought Wait. it was the Street Stocks with that seven car, the oh, modified yeah. with fenders. Yeah, 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 the sixty-nine and Six, the seven. Okay, yeah, I, I've seen the clip all over Facebook. Those two were battling for the points win or something, and they got together, and people yes. were saying the track made a they called favorites. Where have I heard that before? So you're you're telling me that things happen at different tracks that people talk crap about it a certain track <laughs> you, you mean things happen at short tracks that happen everywhere what what i apparently wasn't very unbiased in my notes so i'm not gonna read you what i read or what i said can but you, yeah they can blocked they black flagged the 69 okay with like four laps to go uh-huh and then the seven and the 62 of i want to say peanut waller one of the wallers they got into each other, but hang on. They battled side by side. The 69 and the... Se Wait, hang on. Sorry. I'm trying to figure it out. The 69 and the 7 plots or something like that, they mm -hmm. were battling super hard. The 69 sent the 7 into, like, turn 1 on ice skates. And... They, it didn't end there. The seven retaliated in turn four, but the sixty-nine got black flagged. Okay, I, I and then oh yeah, the, they they did black. They DQ'd Appleby on the final event. Yeah, and then the seven and AJ Waller, or no, the seven and Peanut Waller are battling, and AJ Waller comes hauling ass in third and takes out the seven. 
and gets no, like nothing happens to him. Yeah, so they black. I, I know that all the cars made contact and they DQ'd the 69, judging by their points here. It's hard to find the results. Citrus does not. Yeah, they their- DQ'd the 69. But when AJ Waller did the same thing to the seven, right, he and did not took get out DQ'd. Rex Struble at the same time, he didn't get DQ'd. And that gave Travis Bolts and the seven did win the championship over Jonathan Appleby, who got the DQ. So I saw the the replay. It was like this wreck that happened like going into one and didn't finish until they came off turn four. Yeah, and you ended up like the 19, I think. I think that's what um, Struble was driving. Okay. I don't know. And Victory Lane, he was holding his door. Oh, so, okay. So both tracks that we went to had cars or vehicles with their doors blown off. Good his stuff. his was literally beat in like we we saw the car on in the pits and it was like a ninety degree angle on the right side where the door is and that's not where your door's supposed to be like no your door's supposed to be straight or in in Bray Holmes's case his door was shattered and obliterated along the front straightaway in parts and pieces that's what fiberglass does yeah that's what it does when but it I had no clue who either of the three <laughs> like who any of those cars were the street stocks because. I, yeah, I don't, I don't pay attention to them. Like, I knew they were from seeing their posts on Facebook all the time. Yeah. See, I don't But get... I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, why are we taking each other out? This just seems like we're playing whack-a-mole with our race cars. <laughs> I'm glad you cleaned that up. Um, <laughs> what I don't get is why you have the Outlaw Street Stocks and the Pure Stocks. I mean, I get the Outlaws. You can do a little bit more with the bodies, and I'm sure there's some technical things. But, God, if you don't know any better, they look just like a Pure Stock. Can I just petition to not have Ford Outlaws, Outlaw Street Stocks, Outlaw blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, we don't <laughs> super mod minified modified late models. Out, like, no. Outlaw mod. Next year, coming to Citrus County Speedway, the Outlaws super late models, super late models. The Outlaw Mod Minis and the Outlaw Bombers. I'm going to outlaw the word outlaw. Outlaw, yeah. But But no, I had no clue that they were racing for championships. I guess I kind of did because I know Jesse Veltman was going for the Ford Outlaw Championship. Yes, and I believe he did get that. Yes, he did. He did, okay. Um, I I don't pay attention to other track points. It's just not something I care about. Too much to keep up with. But yeah, Jesse Veltman over Eric Sharon and Thomas Pete. So, I don't know. It did, I guess that explains the actions. But when are people going to stop using their race cars as weapons? Never. I really don't They like feel it. like they're, because they have cages, that they're invincible. And we've learned all, all too well that they're not. But, yeah. I, so, are you saying there was some drama in the Outlaws, the Ford Outlaws? Yes. What happened? Oh, no. In the Ford Outlaws, I mean, there wasn't a major... I, that was more towards the last the, the oh, okay stocks. okay yeah I definitely knew there was when people are recording videos and putting them up on on Facebook you know there's drama so no, the Ford Outlaws they had I think twenty five cars that's pretty good because Auburndale ended up running them both nights so it vultured a few cars but Auburndale got fifteen unexpectedly and that I mean the Outlaws over at Citrus all year long they've been what twenty to thirty cars yeah it's crazy. And they had some that, like, they had a couple spins. I say in here that Jesse Velt, in my notes, I put that the 551 and the double zero made contact. I don't think it was intentional, but the double zero did go around. Hmm. But the, but Jesse didn't get penalized, so obviously it wasn't on him. Um, let's see. There was, 
a car that was about as pretty as the Buick sitting in our driveway, number 444. See, that's a race car to me. Oh, yeah. I hated it and loved it at the same time. He <laughs> right. drove around for two laps with his hood in the air. Beautiful. That's uh, talent right there. Let's see. There was another one. Sorry. With two to go, the number double zero car tried to take down the front stretch wall with his car. Okay. No caution. All right. Uh, checkered flag, the three, and I can't think the of... three, hang on. Um, I just had no... Uh, Jason Waller. No. Oh, we're talking outlaws still. Mm-hmm. Damn, sorry. Looking at the wrong thing. It's Jason Waller Brandon the something. Pure stock champion. Let me see. Ford outlaw. Uh, number three, number three. Clint Hicks. Nope. No? Well, then they have Brandon more number threes. Bo- I don't know. Hang on. Br- hang on, because they have it on their Facebook page. Did I screenshot it? Robert Ray. Nope. No? Okay. I'm well, literally telling you it's Brandon. Brayden Boardman. Okay. All right. Him Take your and, word for it. Him and Richie Smith. That Richie Smith. Oh. Had quite the battle going on, and Boardman ended up winning, and he was super excited. He did all of the donuts ever and sent dirt onto the track when there was a whole race right after him. Uh, and and Victory Lane said, I shit a brick when I found out that Richie Smith was racing an oh, outlaw. Interesting. That was my favorite part of the night was hearing somebody use the phrase shit a brick in Victory Lane. Not what you not what you expect. No. But it was But, but expect the unexpected at the racetrack. But That's that what keeps race us going, man. That race was pretty good. And the Ford Outlaws are always good. It don't matter what track. If, uh well, I could think of one where they're not all that exciting, but uh, And then Pure Stocks raced and Jason Waller Led the whole thing. Yeah, and won the championship. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah, um, and he dedicated the win to his parents in Victory Lane, and he started crying. And when race cool. car drivers cry, I it cry. It makes you cry, yeah. So, I, and I, I'm just putting this out there because I'm actively searching for it. We were actively searching. Really hard to find the results for Citrus County Speedway. Found their points, and that's what we're kind of going off here, but hard to find the results. So I wonder if people complain about that. Like, wouldn't they complain... Uh, if we don't have our results up 10 minutes after the races are done. I'm I don't know. Curious. People complain about everything. I'm sure people are going to complain because I said things in this. Oh, I don't that's, care. That's okay. We're Hey, we're allowed to have opinions. That's why we have a show. Oh, um, and I think Scott Grossenbacher, I know his son races one of the divisions. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Pure Stocks. His son Caleb. races it, but I believe that I heard Tony say Scott Grossenbacher was racing something, not Caleb. Scott was racing something. I can't remember what it is. And that's super cool because Grossenbacher's raced I've always, models. I've loved his late It's that blue 09, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I love that car. I, it just, it stands out. So but that's it, cool. It was really funny because at one point he's just... I listen to announcers, unfortunately. Yeah, you live with one. <laughs> yeah. But Tony kept saying Grossenbacher, and I think he said it so many times that he just kind of got tongue-tied, and I don't know exactly how he said it, but it, it made it, me laugh. It's really like hard. in Rookie of the Year, Grabenbacher! Yeah, he yeah. just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was just funny. Because <laughs> that is a name that if you read it, it's a little intimidating. It's, it but is. But it's it really is. easy to say. It's it's one of those if you don't know it's real easy to scan it and screw that up. So and it's like Todd Zeggity. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, there's a few names this week, and I'm sure I, I butchered up because, uh, man, the there were so many pure stocks over at Auburndale. I was like, man, I don't know half of these guys. So numbers are my friend this week. Yeah, that was kind of how I felt. So what what would you say? What would you give the verdict for the uh, for the night of racing over at Citrus um, on a scale of one to ten? What would you give it? It was a good night. Good I had night? fun. Okay, so one to ten. Eight. 
Eight? Okay, that's good. That That's all you can ask for, you know? The only thing I wish they did different was I wish they did a little bit longer intermission and maybe did something during the intermission. It was only about 10 minutes. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. that's hey, that's a first. Uh, that's, that's the first time I've heard someone want a longer intermission. But Well, you know, I'm used to so no, Mr. No, uh, an hour and a half. No autograph session for the sportsman or anything like that? No. All right. Well, I can, I can understand if that If anything, I wish they would have pulled the sportsman out and done, like, intros. driver intros. They didn't even do that? They might have while they were rolling, but that's really hard to hear. Yeah. Okay. So no out-of-car intros. No. That's all right. That's all right. We're not going to nitpick on intermission too well. But, uh, yeah, sounds like a good night over there. And, and, you know, I know that that race was moved from its original date. So glad to see they, they had about 20 cars over there for the sports and race. And it sounds like good field of outlaws and pure stocks. And uh, that, that's it good was, considering Auburndale was running too. So everybody had good counts to to make for good nights of racing. It was good to see 20 cars at Citrus, and not all of them were missing body panels at the end of it. Not all of them, but some of them, most of them. I don't even think one. I don't actually, think anywhere. No, from from your recap, it actually sounds like a very clean sportsman race, all things considered. Yeah, there weren't very many cautions. Brooke lost brakes, I believe. Well, that's a the tough break. 21. His rear end broke or transmission, maybe. It smelled like so, gear oil. So more, more mechanical issues than incidents. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. in the truck race, it was more incidents than mechanical. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I uh, appreciate you going out there and providing that for the show. And uh, there's Margo's take at a uh, at a recap there, keeping us up to date with what's going That's on. We I were, don't do recaps. We were, uh, no, it was good. It was good. It, it, it was very good. Um, but no, I'm just saying, you know, hey, we were... Two different places. The the show was able to be two places at once this weekend. Bring you, uh, bring you a couple of different things. So, before we let you guys go again, I want to thank uh, Frank and Holly over at Button Racing for sponsoring this week's episode. I appreciate that. Um, I think we got another sponsor who might be coming on here in the next couple of weeks. So appreciate the support. Um, what's next? What do you mean? What's next? What's next on the schedule for the racing with Ryan? Podcast? We um, so next week. Um, we're not going to the racetrack. We are not going to the oh, racetrack. Not. It's There's Christmas. nowhere to go. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna be doing our Christmas stuff. I think next week's show um, is gonna be a quick one. I think I might go over the new Smyrna schedule in depth and kind of give some information about the schedule. Uh, if if, we, if there is a show next week, it'll be a quick one. Uh, but then we have the little five hundred for uh, over at uh, Little New Smyrna with the uh, with the quarter midgets, baby race cars. Yes, baby race cars. So that'll be happening. What, the Monday after Christmas, like Monday through Wednesday? Yeah, Monday and Tuesday. Week. Wednesday is a rain date. I'll be yep. hyperventilating because next year my child will be racing. Oh, goodness. It. Yeah, Dawson's getting himself a quarter midget. And he don't know yet. So that'll be exciting. Um, so, yeah, uh, next week's show going to be a little bit different. Uh, we won't be covering any specific races. Um, and then we have the little 500, so we'll do a quick show on that. So uh, Christmas holidays coming up, so I hope you guys enjoy that. We'll get back to racing. Of course, we have the Red Eye coming up. On January the 8th, uh, some pretty interesting entries for that. Um, I got a few more that have come in. 19 Tour Modifieds already for Speed Weeks. So I'm not talking the Tour Mod race because the NASCAR hand- handles those entries. But as of this recording, 19 Tour Mods already, and it's December 15th. I'm so Do you remember excited. the years when they would get like 12 to 13 Tour Mods, period? Yeah, we and, call those the dark days. Right. And we're at December 15th, and I almost have 20. I'm so I've got a couple, couple of pro lates. Uh, Jesse Love is the first super late model entry. The, the super late guys, man, they're, 
They're going to wait to the last minute to register like always. Do, do we have any Tormod drivers that may also be bringing their fendered cars? I don't know. I, don't, I have not heard from that uh, particular person that you mentioned. Um, oh, I did hear that Eric sh- Jones is trying to come with his super late for a couple of nights. Um, and maybe, I'm, I'm sure Ryan Priest will be there in the modified. He ain't got he a cup better card. be. I, I hope he brings both. I'd love to see him in, in cup and super late. I don't know if that's too much for I him. Or, think I think he probably know. will. Well, that will be exciting, but he has not entered yet, so I can't put him on the list, but that's a that's a good possibility. Um the Florida mods starting to build on those. I think I think it's gonna be a rebound year for Florida mods. Um rules and everything should go up here pretty soon. Um we're gonna release the entry list for the World Series on Saturday. So uh and of course that is the pre entry list, the early entry list. Whoever's registered by Saturday will be on the list and we'll build upon that list as we get closer. Um and I, I think that about covers it. Uh, I know it's been a little bit of a long episode, but it had a lot to cover on this one. Uh, it was the last um, oval track kind of weekend for the show. We got um, we got quarter midges coming up here in a couple of weeks with a little 500. That'll be a lot of fun, and that's a whole different thing. So we'll we'll cover that, and then we'll get ready for, for Red Eye. Yay. Yay, race cars. Red right. Eye, the preview to Speed Weeks, or as I like to call it, the Speed Bump to get to Speed Weeks. <laughs> the Speed Week Speed Bump coming yes. up on the 8th. I, I love that event. It's always fun. You know, you, you get through the season, you're like, oh, God, it's over. And then you're like, oh, man, but I miss it already. So, um, do, do, do I? No, nah, well, you're, you're different from me. <laughs> so your ground pounders will be there. You'll be busy. I, I don't have ground pounders. I have vintage, vintage cars. Vintage cars, yes, your vintage cars. Um, all right, guys, appreciate y'all listening. Make sure you go like the Facebook page. Just search the Racing with Ryan. Bunch of you already have uh, done that Racing with Ryan podcast on Facebook. Like us there. You can comment, um, you know, let us know what you want to hear on the show. And um, I did get some comments on a post from earlier, and we'll cover that here on the next show. So thank you all for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye.